so I, uh, I applied for this job as a project coordinator because it talked a lot about resource management and supporting resource planning and you know, in an engineering manufacturing setting, it's all about methods and resource planning. So I applied and I got it. Hello folks, I'm Cam here with my co-host Jagmeet and this is Fleming College PMG podcast series. This episode of podcast is sponsored by Jeremy Spensley, Program Coordinator, PMG Program. My guest here today is an expert in PBM and he has over a decade of experience in his bag. He currently works as Portfolio and Project Management Specialist at Rigo Consulting. So without further ado, let me introduce you to the person of the day, Mr. Jacob Cancelier. Welcome to the show, Mr. C. How are you doing today? Good, good. Good morning, guys. How are you? We are doing great. It's been an amazing day. So moving forward, would you please tell us a little about yourself, your current work life and the education and career paths you followed to get where you are now? And um, how did you end up at Rego Consulting? Sure. Uh, so I have been working in project management for 17 years. Um, I started out uh, being educated in uh, aviation manufacturing engineering, and I graduated uh, at a time where the industry was really, really slow. So <clears throat> I had to apply for different jobs. Um, and in, in an engineering manufacturing program, I never really got any information about what project management is. Maybe barely ever heard the word. <laughs> Um, you know, manufacturing at that time, you know, talks about different methodologies of process, not project management. So, so I, uh, I applied for this job as a project coordinator because it talked a lot about resource management and supporting resource planning. And, you know, in an engineering manufacturing setting, it's all about methods and resource planning. So I applied and I got it. So I was a project coordinator and. I started learning about project management really fast. Uh, so I did, I did project coordinating for two years. Then I got promoted to a program coordinator. Then I was given some small projects to run. Uh, then a year later, given some big projects to run. And then I became a portfolio manager. So I, I was overseeing multiple projects at a time with project managers that would report to me. Um, and I, I loved it. It was it was super super good match for my skill set, um, and so my company started to acquire other small companies, and to to bring those other companies into our way of doing things, they would send me. So I started to become like a consultant in my own company. Um, so I, I figured, well, I'm kind of good at this. Why don't I just be a consultant and go and help other companies improve project management? So for the last nine years, that's what I've been doing. Uh, actually, 10 years now. Um, 
So I've been I've been working for a firm called Rego Consulting, and we are a, a project management center of excellence. So we're a boutique consultancy where all we do is go around and assist and help organizations improve project management tools and process and things like that. So yeah, that's my 17 year journey so far, and I. I think I'm going to finish here, guys. Like, I think I'm going to keep working in project management to the end. You know, I, I have flexibility around some of the work I choose. Um, it's exciting. I see about 10 or 12 different companies a year. Um, I'm on the kind of leading edge of seeing what, what organizations are doing in project management. And I, I think I'll just keep doing it. And then obviously I, I joined uh, Fleming three years ago. Um, because I, I like to pass on knowledge and teach. And uh, and if I could teach full time, I, th I think that's the one thing that would get me away from consulting because I, I really enjoy it. So you, and you guys are really lucky to have a program like this. Like when I was in school, you couldn't get a post-grad in project management. It just didn't exist. So these these programs, you know, that are, you know, five, seven years old or so. Um, this is an awesome way for you to learn about project management before you get out into the workforce. So. Sounds amazing. It feels like we can climb up the ladder faster than the others, I believe. But anyway, okay. Yeah, that's a good point. So like project management, you know, you have a lot of options. You can become a project manager or you can end up maybe running a different group once you're in an organization and you show your skills or you can climb the ladder in project management and you can... You can join, you know, and be a part of the project management office, perhaps. So, yeah. So, uh, I would like to ask you, since you you are dealing with portfolio management, what is portfolio management? What do we do there? Yeah. So, organizations that that run a lot of um, a lot of projects, it it helps a lot to kind of bucket those projects into portfolios into. Uh, you know, a portfolio is like a way to align work and funding um, that benefits an organization. So you might have, uh, if you make products, you might have a portfolio for um, a specific set of project uh, products, and then underneath it are projects that deliver those product enhancements. So when you become a portfolio manager, you you instead of instead of monitoring the execution of one project and and ensuring the team is delivering you're looking across multiple projects and making sure that there's nothing in the organization that's impacting your projects um finding ways for different groups to help each other move funding around um plan timing of future projects so project portfolio management becomes very important when an organization starts to run a larger number of projects. Sounds like a lot of things going on within one platform. So what kind of tools and techniques do you run to prioritize programs and projects to ensure they deliver strategy for the organization and also delivers the capability that will enable these projects and the programs to be delivered within their specified uh, parameters? Yeah, so a lot of organizations, they try to organize their portfolio of projects. They start with Excel. Right, everyone starts with a list of things in Excel and they try to manage it. But then to your point, when they wanna, when they wanna start looking at how does this align to our strategy? Um, how's the performance of each project going? You start collecting a whole bunch of data 
and it becomes kind of complex to manage it in Excel. So typically this is where you go and buy now some project management software. This is where you buy an enterprise level project management software. So, um, you know, that's things like uh, Clarity and PlanView and Planisware and Clarizin and Cyforma, like not desktop software that a, just a project manager uses, but but like organizational or enterprise project management software. And that those systems and those software capabilities instantly roll up your projects into portfolios. So you just you just sort of tell the software what portfolio a project belongs to and it automatically aggregates the data. So you know you uh, you get a lot of power when you buy these software systems that you just can't do in Excel or through email. Sounds just about right. So so what is this thing uh, like what is portfolio scenario planning? Yeah, so once you have a portfolio set up what happens is organizations are moving away from like annual planning. So a traditional way to plan projects was, you know, let's say your company's fiscal year was January uh, to December, a calendar year. You would you would plan out next year's projects in the fall. Like, let's say October, November, you would plan all the projects for the next year. Then January would come and you would start those projects. But the world's changing so fast and businesses need to change so fast. Annual planning doesn't doesn't keep up. So what you need to do is portfolio scenario planning, and you need to do um, real-time portfolio planning and intake. So as new work comes in, or as you know, big factors external to your, your environment, like COVID hit, as an example, that impacted almost every business in the world. So you have to change. You can't just stick to your plan. So when a new project idea comes in, you you compare it to your in-flight projects, you prepare a scenario of what's going to have to slow down or stop so you can do this new project. What are the priorities of our projects? How does this new project idea impact our priority? And so portfolio scenario planning is basically impact analysis and then picking a plan forward on how you would deliver if a change comes along. Yeah, that, that was a good insight of portfolio management, I think. And Kamul, here I have a question for Mr. C. What are some common mistakes that you will ask our listener to avoid while doing portfolio management? That is a very, very good and long question to answer. <laughs> uh, so the, the first thing with portfolio planning is keep it simple. So when you're first going to start, do some really simple things like um, get a master list of all your projects in a portfolio and rank it. So apply priority to it. Once you've done that, look at the timeline of when things start and finish and make sure that dependencies are met. So you can't start project B until project A is done. Make sure that that your portfolio shows that. So stick to the basics to start simple list prioritization and timing independency um once you once you achieve that then you can look at sort of more complex approaches like auto ranking your portfolio by risk profile by business value by strategic alignment um, you can add in uh skill sets to the portfolio so here's my priority of projects 
here's the key skill sets we need to deliver them. Um, does this do we have these skill sets in the organization? When can we start this project realistically? Then you can get into more of the complex things, but you know, just keep it simple to to start. There are so many things going on in this strategic development, change management, program and project management. It almost feels like you would need a Herculean brain to work on this efficiently. But I'm totally invested into this now. Could you please tell me how do you maintain visibility, flexibility, and connectivity in portfolio management? Yeah, so, you know, as, as you guys have learned in your first semester, project communication, right, is really important. Well, at the portfolio management level, it's exponentially important, right? Um, now you've got multiple projects and you need to stay connected with, you, you need visibility into their information. This is typically, again, where you, you do buy some good software and you, you, do, you do invest in a good process, you know, governance, um, who approves what, uh, what are the gates the project has to go through, or if it's running agile, what are the metrics that it has to report on? Um, but basically, this is where you need, you need some good software, some software that kind of shows you what's going on in each project. Um, when something's wrong, can it automatically notify people, you know, if a project goes over budget or um, has, you know, too many risks and issues. So you, you really need, if you want good visibility and, and connectivity, you, you really need good software because you can't just meet with everyone all day long and get updates all day long, right? You need some sort of automated way to collect information. Yeah, that's why these tools are important. And I think that super, was a, super important. Yeah, yeah. You can, we can edit this, professor. Don't worry. <laughs> so, that was that was a great discussion on portfolio management, and I think it would greatly help our listeners to get some insights on portfolio management. And right now, we are shifting our focus from portfolio management to project management office, as a lot of new project managers get confused when they came across the word project management office. And with this, my first question is, what exactly happens in a project management office? Yeah, so project management office, or, or you, you mostly will hear the word PMO or the acronym PMO. Um, this is our home base as project managers. So this is, this is you know, and where, where we usually report into um, in, in most common uh, project setup in in organizations so our project management office is our home base it's the place where um where we set up um standards and and documents and process and and tools like we discussed on portfolio management this is usually where those things are owned and maintained and improved so our our class our apst 170 we are trying to run our friday meetings as if uh, we're a PMO, so I'm the head of the project management office, and you guys are reporting status to me, and I'm trying to mentor you on on how to push through issues or, um, you know, discuss challenges you've been having. We're basically running like a PMO. Oh, that's good. And how would you go setting setting up a project management office? Yeah, so so project management office needs to start with someone decently senior in an organization, like kind of like director, 
or or maybe higher um usually and that that person will basically start uh to build up some capability in the PMO, some process and some documentation and tools, and then start to onboard folks like project managers. And definitely a PMO, a key part to a PMO is project coordinators. You have to have that that supporting staff that trains people on the process and documents and tools and supports them and keeps them uh, uh, improved and accurate. So. Um, yeah, you, you'll start, I, and I, I help organizations with this all the time. They usually start with like a director of project management, and then they start to look for candidates they can add to the PMO from there. That is quite systematic. And my next question is, how would you manage new project requests in PMO? Yeah, so this can happen a few different ways. Um, Project requests can literally be as formal as like there's a there's an intake um, form or document you fill in and you submit it to the PMO and then they sort of take it through the governance process. And it can also be that the PMO facilitates those discussions. So from an annual planning perspective, typically the PMO will will run those annual planning sessions. Um, but once you get a bit larger, Sometimes a skill set in the PMO is a business relationship manager. And a business relationship manager works with their clients throughout the business and helps plan out future projects. So the intake might come in through a skill like that, or it can be as, as, um, uh, you know, as automated as you enter it into a software and then it goes through the process. So there's, there's a few different options. Okay, got it. And with this, how would you determine organization's resource capacity? Yeah, so this goes hand in hand a bit with portfolio management. Um, one of the key aspects of portfolio management can include ensuring, you know, we have enough resources to deliver the projects that we, we have in our portfolio. Um, the PMO sometimes takes on what, what can be referred to as an RMO a resource management office. So the PMO will actually uh, take every project's resource forecast and put it into one system, hopefully not a spreadsheet, but I do see spreadsheets. Um, they put it into one software system and then they can tell you where people have too much work or not enough work. And so a key part of, of a PMO is to kind of do that resource planning and some organizations get big enough, they just call it an RMO. They build a resource management office, or they have a dedicated person, a manager of resource management. Yeah, really important part of a PMO. It looks cool how everyone works in a systematic way to achieve a common goal. That's fantastic. Oh, my next question is, could you please tell us about a time when you were responsible for coaching, mentoring or training others on an aspect of project management or other more than one aspect of project management? And also, how do you share best practices within a team? Yeah, so, um, so I do this all the time. You know, this is what I'm doing full time uh, throughout the week in uh, in in the consulting work I do. 
Um, I can give you an example. So I'm, I'm working with an organization right now. Um, they make products. Um, they've actually made these products for about 75 years. And they've done it under manufacturing methodologies. And now they've, they've realized that they need to sort of change their, their manufacturing process quite rapidly now. And so they're starting to build up a skill set of project managers. So they've asked, uh, you know, our firm for, for assistance and, okay, how do we start doing this? And so it's kind of like to your earlier question about setting up a project management office. So, you know, they've identified a lead and we're coaching and mentoring that lead on what, what are the 1st steps. So, in this case, guys, the 1st step is as basic as what's the definition of a project. So, they have all kinds of different types of work. Some of that work isn't a project. So you don't want to, you don't want to put the. The overhead of project management on work that just needs to happen every day anyway. So we literally had to build what's the definition of a project. And so we came up with 2 definitions, a full project and a project light. Which are 3 month long, very quick initiatives. So, after they did that, we helped them set up some software and we train their project managers on how to use the software and what's important. And it's to the questions you've already asked. Who are the resources on the project? So they have to plan that recording risks and issues. Um, creating a status report once a once a week. So all of the similar things you're doing in your in your project today, I'm giving you the same coaching and mentoring that I give my clients uh, out in industry. And and as I do that, as I go, I try to share with them best practice in every capacity. So, you know, each week when when I meet with you with you, when a topic comes up, I'm trying to share with you the best practice around that topic real time. So it's important that you you find teaching moments and and have them right on the spot in context to the problem. So, you know, as an example, uh, one of our project teams uh, in the applied uh, program was having, um, you know, having uh, some challenges uh, contacting people, you know, during COVID because they can't go meet with them. So I shared with them, well, here's the best practice of how I'm contacting people today. Um, so, so you have to share those best practices right when you see a challenge because that's the teaching moment. So can you please tell us like uh, what kind of practices did you tell them? Like, how are they contacting right now? And is, is the conflict being resolved? Yeah, the conflict, they did push through. So the conflict was they could, no one was responding to email. And so my advice to them was, well, you know, guess what? Everyone's at home right now getting a thousand emails a day. So email's not going to work. You need to you need to phone them. You you need to just call them on the phone. Go old school and call them. Keep calling them until they answer. Once you get that contact, you know, and they they pick up the phone, you catch them at the right time. Done. You you you've got a hold of them. So, you know, sometimes, you know, an email email's not good enough right now, guys. Like like everyone's just exhausted of reading their screen all day, they might actually really like if you just gave them a quick call. And and inversely, inversely, you don't want to be that person who also calls everyone all the time as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, if, if you have a if if you if you have a quick question, 
and you call someone and you say, hey, I, I just need two minutes. Let's let's talk through this. And you truly take two minutes. Guess what? They're going to answer the phone every time you call them because they know, oh, yeah, you know, that's that's my buddy, you know, uh, Muhammad or, you know, that's my buddy Jagmeet. He's just going to be real quick. So you you have to figure out your communication style sometimes with people. And so so in that case, they just had to pick up the phone. Right. <laughs> that, yeah. that, was, that was a creative way. Keeping keeping things simple and effective will make you a good project manager. You know, you don't need to create things that are extremely complex, um, you know, to show how smart you are or 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 you know, it just to be effective, simple and effective, just simple and, and pragmatic and, and get it done, you know. Uh, you have been you have been saying this thing that keep it simple and we should as a learner we should put that in in our mind yep and how how do you deal with conflicting priorities yeah that's a that's a great great topic so um well let's talk about right now i have a conflicting priority right now right i have kids at home for a holiday and i have this awesome interview with with some of my students um and you just have to make you have to make the best of of each situation and you have to you have to make sure to not apply too much emotion so when you get conflicting priorities a lot of the times one of them is making you upset <laughs> so you have to understand that and accept it and not try to respond with the emotional aspect so when you're early on in your career and you've done something wrong and you've been reprimanded or, um, you know, someone kind of took advantage of your time or they took credit for work you've done, you're going to have an emotional response. Um, you know, as you as you age and get more experience, um, just you're, you're just going to get better at managing those responses. Um, some of the best training I've taken in these 17 years has been. Uh, emotional intelligence training or formal creativity training, which is kind of like a cousin to emotional intelligence. This is highly valuable to a project manager because we have a target on our back. You know, when something goes good, the whole team gets credit. When something goes bad, just the project manager is the one taking the blame. So um, we we have a lot of accountability and responsibility. So. You know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to manage conflicting priorities without getting emotional. You have to try to control that emotional response. That, that'd be my advice. And that, that's, what's helped me a lot. That's an awesome advice. And I, I, I'm getting a burning question right now by listening to all the conversations around project management office. So, uh, think like, uh, I have joined a project as a project manager midway through the project. And now this project is behind schedule. It is over budget and there are lots of issues and I, I have to work on it and I cannot be spending uh, a lot of time planning or, you know, uh, going into details, you know, to resolve them. So how do you, how, how would you approach a project like that? Like where you are appointed midway through the project? So some, some projects, 
you know, you really have to set expectations at the beginning of the project. So some of your stakeholders are going to want you to go to like crazy amount of detail and put in a lot more effort than other projects. You know, it's, it's setting expectations at the beginning of the project is really important. So I have to do this every time I kick off a new project because it's linked to a contract, right? Because in consulting, you, you have to show up and you have to set those expectations. A lot of the times the contract isn't worded very well and it has a lot of detail in it. And so then when you meet with the stakeholder, you're like, you share with them best practice. You say, here, this is what works. This is what I see works. This is this is the level of information that's gonna benefit both of us. And 99% of the time, they're like, completely agree, let's do that. But that 1% of the time that you have someone that wants to follow every single detail to the letter in, in, that's listed in the terms of the contract, then things get a little more difficult, right? You have to make sure that you have uh, quality control standards at a really detailed level. And so the work becomes very intense and, and very specific. So it's it's all about setting expectations at the beginning of your project with your stakeholder. Very important. And I, I, I don't think I can teach you that. I think that's one of those things that you're just going to have to experience a bit, you know, getting your own style of how to how to manage that stakeholder expectations, you're just you're just going to build up that skill set over time, I think. Makes sense. It's like now I want to shift things from project management office to industry trends. So we talk about practices, processes and outcomes all the time, but uh, little do we pay attention towards finance and budget. So we realized Rego Consulting works on a thing called hybrid financial management. It sounds like a new trend to us. Would you please tell us what is it actually? Yeah, so I personally have spent a lot of my career in, in something that you would kind of call project accounting or, or sort of project financial management for an entire organization, not one project at a time. And the reason is my very first boss, extremely talented PMO director, he said to me on like my first or second day, he goes, follow the money. Know how the money is, is applied, spent, forecasted. He said in project management, if you figure out how all the financing works, he goes, you'll, you'll never have an issue with funding because you'll know ways to ask for more, to achieve on what you uh, already have. Um, how are you going to be measured by the organization? You know, if you know how to get to the money and and take care of money in an organization, extremely valuable. So, um, this trend, uh, hybrid financial management, is is an emerging trend, and basically, it's organizations that are moving from predictive waterfall to adaptive agile. So, in in predictive you have to request money per initiative. So you have to say, here's the project I want to do. Here's the value. Here's approximately what it'll cost. And guess what? None of us know what it'll really cost, right? When we have a new project idea, we don't know everything yet. We don't have all the details. We don't know what's going to go wrong. We certainly didn't know that COVID was going to happen. We just, you don't know. So predictive it's hard to predict things six months from now, isn't it? We just don't know. So you're guessing, 
And so you're you're trying to come up with the project should cost approximately this. With with adaptive, what organizations are moving towards is, um, I'll give you an example. So you guys are running a podcast project. So if I was to move that to adaptive funding model or what's called product funding model, I would say we're going to spend a hundred thousand dollars a year on podcasts, and then. You guys have your funding for the year. You don't have to fill in a business case for each podcast. You don't have to do a charter for each podcast. You just, you have a backlog of work in more of an agile fashion and all of that other governance and paperwork goes away. So it's, it's more like a, a continuous funding model around a technology or product or service. So the, the company just says, Listen, I believe in that product service technology. Here's how much money it gets every year. I'm not going to bother you for a business case every single time you want to start a project. That's where companies are starting to move on the core areas of their business. They know they need to invest in. They're just investing in it without all the justification for every little piece of work. So the hybrid model is basically organizations that are moving from predictive funding, business case, charter, everything up front into more adaptive funding. And I'm in discussions with my clients all the time on this and we're all learning it, right? So um, we, we've done it and we have approaches we recommend to our clients, but everyone sort of has their own perspective on it. So it's a very growing emerging trend right now. Yeah, the guest games are not working anymore. We don't know what is going to happen tomorrow or next week. So we have to be very much adaptive. And yeah, I, you with your skill set, here's what I would recommend. You know, your what you learned in PMI, that's that's awesome, but that's a small piece. And we have to continue to learn other methodologies and we have to continue to evolve because project managers are maybe maybe in the future you're gonna be a scrum master instead. Maybe in the future you're gonna be a product manager instead. But all these skills you've learned as a project manager are highly valuable to both of those positions. So you just have to be very open-minded and willing to use the best tool at your disposal and not just stick with one methodology. Right. And when you say it about uh, asking for more money, I feel like if we, if we are being frugal and just trying to hold on to the budget, you know, just by trying to be frugal, I guess uh, that would prevent us from asking more money, isn't it? Like if you are being super frugal and you know focusing on just saving on the saving aspect, then I guess uh, it's going to cause a problem when you ask for more fundings. Well, you know the so the goal of more of the adaptive approach is delivering more product, delivering, 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 like delivering more outcomes. So the funding is just meant to be less overhead, less governance. So let's just fund it in a way where you're doing less paperwork and you're getting work done. Um, so, you know, the key is it's all about delivery. But yeah, good, good point. So uh, could you please throw some lights on interconnectivity versus single platform? What are these things? Yeah, so this is a, this is an interesting trend as well. So when, when organizations decide to, um, start investing in, in really good formal project management and project management tools, they, they have a choice to make. 
do they go out and they buy the best agile tool on the market, the best enterprise project management software on the market, um, uh, the the best uh, ITSM, uh, uh, you know, uh, ticketing or, or IT service management software, or do they buy one large software, a single platform, and try to do all of that in one piece of software? So the the trend here is: do you buy one giant product, or do you buy some smaller niche products that are sort of best in breed and integrate them? I guess Clar Clarity is the best best example for this. Yeah, so Clarity's like been a Clarity PPM has been like a top performing enterprise project management software for you know a couple decades now, and and so, but it's not an agile project management software system. Like you can run you could run lighter versions of agile in it, but uh, if you were to use some of the more common platforms, version one and Jira and uh, and rally like real agile tools um you would integrate that with clarity but if you wanted to pick a single platform um uh, service now has a module for everything it has like 50 modules in one software product project management agile uh application uh, portfolio management. it's got everything in one place hr finance so um, that is a platform that claims it can do everything. So as an organization, you have to decide, do I want to, do I want to use a single platform and maybe it's not the best at everything, but at least it's in one place, or do I want to use separate products that are the best products in their, in their industry? Awesome. So what is an ecosystem assessment and how is it related to portfolio management? Yeah. So, uh, all of these tools, like. In the last five to 10 years, you can buy software really fast. And, you know, you, you guys know this, right? You, you, can, uh, you, can, you can buy cloud software, like with a credit card instantly. And you can buy that now for like a company. So, you know, all these software systems have been integrated like crazy, like team collaboration software and quality control or, uh, or requirement software or project management software. And so all these tools, you get all this information, but you have a lot of waste. You have a lot of the same data sitting in every tool. So we do these things called ecosystem assessments to look across all of these different tools and help people clean up the waste. Where can you integrate them? And where can you maybe stop using something because this other tool does it better? I get it now. It was a new term for me, <laughs> ecosystem assessment. Yeah. So um, there is a thing that is almost uh, coming to a trend now. It is the need for integrating project manager with the product manager and making it a one unifiable resource. So what, what are your thoughts around this? Yeah. So, I mean, listen, product manager is all around scope. So you know, they own the scope and the priority of scope and so on. So if you're a project manager and you're always struggling and traditionally to try to figure out um, what is the scope for the project? What are the detailed requirements? What's the priority? That that burden is now placed on the product manager who's an expert on that scope. They're a domain expert on what they need you to deliver. And now they become more involved in the project. So it's like having your key stakeholder sitting in the project team with you 
helping you get things done, being part of driving the work. So um, project manager, you know, execution, reporting, planning, product manager owns the scope. Um, this is so obvious now when you look back, it just makes so much sense, right? To, to have like a product manager at your, you know, at your sprint meetings or at your scope planning because they own the scope. So this is um, this is a good evolution for project management. Yeah, I have a quick question, and I was reading in an article that experts have expectations that project managers should possess the knowledge of AI and data analytics to strengthen their practices. What are your thoughts on this? And with this, what, how did COVID nineteen affect the industry? Yeah, so let's talk about AI a bit and, and the analytics, and then I'll, I'll talk about COVID. So um, I, I think AI is going to be extremely valuable to project management, right? Because a lot of what we do is planning the future based on what happened in the past. So we're kind of doing predictive analytics as a skill set. So as these software systems, um, as these software systems and, and, and sort of methodologies for, for doing predictive analytics and, and AI, uh, advance and grow, it's really going to help us right as project managers. So let me give you an example. So let's say you log into your software, you, you get to work on Monday morning, you make your big giant coffee. You have, uh, you had your nice breakfast. You sit down at your desk and you open up the software. And it says, uh, hey, Jagmeet, you have three tasks that are supposed to be done this week. They were supposed to start last week and no one started on them. I don't think they're going to get done. So that saves you, like how much time does that save you to go over to the schedule, try to look for tasks that were supposed to start but didn't start, and then and then sort of assess why or what's going on. Imagine if you just log in and a pop-up window tells you that. So some predictive behaviors. Um, or, or let's say your project just goes from planning phase to design phase. And so you click a button saying, yep, I just, I just went to the meeting, I got approval, boom, I'm into the design phase. And a window pops up and says, hey, Mohammed, you just entered design phase. The last three projects this year that went into design phase had this and this and this risk turn into an issue. You should pre-plan for that, right? How much benefit is that going to have? So I bet you within like a year or two years, software is going to do a nice job around, you know, schedule, finances, risks and issues, and status reporting around predictive analytics, kind of using some AI. Um, and I think this is going to be really exciting. Yeah, this is exciting. Absolutely. And, and what about the uh, other question? How did COVID pandemic affect it? Yeah, so so scary stuff. I mean, uh, you know, when it first started to happen, um, as a consulting firm, from our perspective, you know, we we were concerned, right? Because we thought organizations would just say, you know what, let's put a pause on enhancing project management right now and just stick to keeping the lights on, keeping the business running, keeping packages going out the door. And that did happen for maybe eight weeks. And then 
our business went up like double digits from the previous year because organizations realized they need project management to tell them how, how can we change this service offering right now really quickly? How can we turn on a project to determine how to ship differently? Um, how can we get different supply projects running? Um, which resources are key to keeping the lights on? So the project management tools and skill sets helped companies change quickly for COVID. So good news, as project managers, you are going to have work during global events because we are change experts, right? Projects are change. And so as organizations had to change rapidly, we needed to be at our best to help them do that. Resource planning, prioritizing, risk mitigation, um, you know, all those things were so important during COVID. Um, and, and, and going forward, COVID's going to change how we look at risks for sure. Like COVID's basically, you know, that's like putting a risk on your project. The sky will fall. You know, the sky is falling like this crazy, you know, far out risk with um, massive impact, but like 1% probability, right? So we had a pandemic. It impacted the entire world. It, it, it had huge impact and it at the 1% risk actually happened. So now when we risk plan, we're going to have to do some, some good work here, making sure we understand what risks are available. And, and we're seeing this in a lot of industries like, uh, that weren't ready for this, right? They were just not ready for this. And, and maybe even aspects of our government services weren't ready for this. Well, guess what? Project managers can help them plan for the next time around. We can help them build processes and contingency plans and emergency response plans. I think project management is going to just completely grow like crazy after this because we have the skills to to make this not happen in the future or or be a part of it, right? Right. Sounds exciting to me. Yeah, it's, it's exciting and that's that's a great news. It makes me so hopeful. I think Yeah, absolutely. You have a you have a good future ahead of you with this education. It's a great choice. Well, uh, I think that was our last question. And here, I want to thank you, Mr. C, for sharing your knowledge, your experience, and your advices that you have given us. It, I liked it. I really liked it. And it helped me a lot. Uh, that is pretty much everything we prepared for today. So is there anything that you would like to add or plug on or any words of wisdom before you leave? No, that was, that was great, guys. I think... Um... You know, I think these were some great questions you laid out. I think uh, I think it's a solid, it's going to be like a solid 30 or 40 minute podcast. I think there's a lot of good content in there that you asked some good questions and we had a good dialogue. I think that's great. And if you like this episode, please share it with your friends for we have some exciting episodes coming up in days ahead. Thank you very much and have a great time ahead.